For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? So glad you could join us today. We've got some good pod on the schedule. Our friend Dennis Swanberg is on the program today. It is going to be a fantastic show. You are really going to like him. Today's show is brought to you by Trinova, Amazon.com slash Trinova, code word REBELPOD for 20% off everything they sell. And our new sponsor, Save the Storks at SaveTheStorks.com, one of the most innovative pro-life organizations in existence today. Good friends. Love that they're sponsoring the pod. Dennis Swanberg, man, I love this show. It is an honest show. It's a vulnerable show. It is one you're going to enjoy. We're going to talk about addiction. Can't believe I'm saying you're going to enjoy a show about addiction, but this one you will. It's time we just pull off the blinders and talk about just the real things that happen in our lives. Dennis is a great guy. You're going to love him. Here is Dennis Swanberg on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. There we go. We're live. What's up, Rebels? So good to see you today. Thanks for joining us, all you powerful parents out there. We got Dennis Swanberg on the broadcast today. Swanee, so good to have you here. Appreciate taking time out of your schedule to be on with me. Thank you, Ryan. And I've been looking forward to this and talking with you and catching up and sort of letting you know what sort of the old latest is, you know, uh, out here on the road, family, life, 101. It's, it's good. It's good. I mean, good. there's times when it's bad, but it, it's good, too. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, today we're, uh, I've got a photo of you. I've got your uh, Home Alone photo up there on the screen with me. Normally, we have people on video. I've got, I got my fancy camo on today. i got my Under Armour. What is this, Real Tree? It says somewhere on here. It's all logoed out. I'm glad to have you on. You wrote in a book. We don't do book report programs, but it's called No More Secrets, and I want people to be aware of it, so I'm holding it up right now. No More Secrets, Dr. Dennis Swanberg. And I got to say, this is a fascinating topic. At Rebel Parenting, we hear stories like yours all the time, family secrets that get held on to for generations, and then all of a sudden someone lets it out, and there's so much fear, and there's so much shame, and there's guilt, and all these things, and addiction is such a huge thing we deal with. You know, Dennis, I, everybody wants to know this question, but I want to ask it from a different way. Writing this book had to be difficult. You had to get a lot of permissions to write this book. You had to open yourself up to be real vulnerable, open yourself up to criticism, things like that. Exactly. Why was the push yeah. so strong? I mean, you know, you didn't have to do that. You could have talked about it just in your act. You could have just put on a DVD and made jokes, things like that. And why was this passion so strong that you thought, nope, I'm going to put it on print, in a book, in words, can't take it back. Someone could go to page whatever and quote this thing to me and say something, you know, criticize me for being a bad dad or who knows what. Why was the passion so strong to say, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to do it. Well, I think one reason was because the hurt was so deep, and yet the joy was so unspeakable to find someone, you know, a loved one, find their way again, find there's hope. 
find there's mm-hmm. there's life out there. Uh, the old saying that the old grandma said, this too shall pass. Well, it really can pass. There can be a better day. There will be a better day. You don't have to stay the same. But I'm an encourager. My ministry has always been to be a minister of encouragement. And uh, yeah. some would brand it, you know, America's minister of encouragement. Well, so, you know, we're rocking along and, uh, you know, pastored 22 years. You know, when I resigned from First Baptist West Monroe, Louisiana, back in 95, I had one event booked thinking, well, maybe I'll, I can go out there and be a speaker. And this is a true story. Your dad played one of my cassette tapes the next day on Monday morning in 1995, uh, there in February or March, right in there, that, that area. And, uh, and boom, you know, and then he played the other 20 minutes of it a month later. Then I bumped into him, met him and, and down in Sarasota, Florida, where they came and heard me is a life changer. Uh, it was a God thing. You know, you just don't call Dr. Dobson up and say, Hey, I want you to play me. And I want you to do this here's something <laughs> I got for you. You know, uh, it was just a God thing. I asked your dad one time, I said, Doc, how, why'd you give me an opportunity? I mean, why me? He said, Swanee, we enjoy opening up a door for someone who hadn't had a door opened up. I went, man, I, that gun, that, there's a, the floodgates. But anyhow, so I started doing, you know, ministry of uh, encouragement, speaking, and everything's going good. You know, my boys are, I'm letting my boys be boys, you know, and they are boys, you know, preacher's mm-hmm. kids. And, you know, into college, everything's good. And, you know, about finished, Chad finishes, then Dustin finishes, both, you know, been at Christian schools their whole life. And then all of a sudden, kaboom. Uh, all of a sudden, we find out, you know, that the secrets of uh, medicating yourself with alcohol. Uh, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, a DUI. Uh, boom. You know, I mean, I'm going, what what has happened? You know, Laurie and I, you know, for instance, Dusty would, was December the 28th. 2008 and uh you know we'd finished christmas and he was supposed to be driving down to austin we were driving back to monroe louisiana and all of a sudden where's where's dustin he's not answering his phone this and that finally we knew he'd, he'd had a dui we'd taken you know one truck from him then he sort of got back in good graces and mm-hmm. we don't know where he is and, and and i put it here in the book you know also we find him but well, we have our nieces calling. We have nephews calling. Just calling police stations, trying to find him in Texas somewhere. Found him down in Georgetown. So Chad and I drive through the night. We go get down there. You know, the next morning, I uh, go and pay his bail. Come outside, and God basically spoke to me through a friend and to my heart to say, if you love him, leave him. So I left him for nine days and went and got him. Put him on a plane to San Clemente. Uh, rehab when he was there four days he finally said i am helpless and all of a sudden our journey is beginning and meanwhile my oldest son chad who he's so smart he never gets caught dusty is always <laughs> get caught get caught you know what i mean yeah and, yeah and yep. so meanwhile he's got something going on but it's all this secret stuff and then we have family and their issues and and finally you know, my wife finally said, she said, she said this, she said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. My wife's a quiet person. Uh, nobody, we're not going to tell nobody nothing. She said, I'm tired of it. No more secrets. And yeah. I'd been writing yeah. about stuff. And she said, you're not going to stop. Well, it took me three years to write this. But, and there were times I went, it got worse. But 
more things happened as I wrote. And she said, no, sure. you're not, you're, you're not stopping. No more secrets. Yeah. I'm tired of it. So, you know, that's what we did. You're a pastor for 22 years and you're doing comedy. You're all over the country. You're on my dad's show. You know, people are hearing you and there's this level of expectation placed on your kids. You didn't necessarily put that there. And growing up in my family, everyone else sure does. And yeah. I'm sure they did in the church. I'm sure they did afterwards. They're at college. They're known. Their dad's this person. You know, that kind of thing. I remember going to my first college, and I didn't know how famous we were. I'd grown up in California. All my friends knew me before my parents became famous. I went to Illinois, and it was like, it felt like being one of the Beatles, and it wasn't comfortable. It really wasn't. It it felt like I had to live up to this thing I knew I'd never be able to live up to, you know, we deal with addiction on Rebel Parenting all the time with so many people, and it is, it's a self-medicator. It's that thing that says, I just can't feel like this anymore, and we turn to, you know, sugar or food or alcohol or prescriptions or weed. I mean, we get so much weed now in Colorado and California with the legalization what were your kids dealing with? Was it just hard? Was it just trying to be themselves and not feeling like they were able to be themselves? Was it, what, what were those things they were just saying, I just can't do this anymore? You know, I would tell my boys, I said, boys, I said, you know, no one expects anything. And oh, dad, they watch. Dad, they watch. I said, oh, they're yeah. not watching. Oh, yeah, they're, they're watching. I said, they're not watching every movie. He said, and here's the deal. Whether they were or whether they weren't, they felt like they were being watched. And they probably yeah. were being watched. And so yeah. how, like, yeah. like you, yeah. How do you, you know, there's, oh, are you, is that your, your dad's Jim Dobson? Your mom, Shirley Dobson? Yep. Oh, yep. your dad's Swan. Hey, do you do impersonations? Hey, do you, are you funny like yep. your dad? You know, and it's, mm-hmm. so, you know, it was a pressure on them that how do you help them uh, through that? And I feel like that's where I'm, I wish I could have been a better understanding dad, but I think, you know, like when they were in college, Dusty's told me, he said, Dad, you know, what got to me at the end of college was I had to go face the real world. I couldn't live in my little bubble. I couldn't just, yep. uh, and all of a sudden, but alcohol would give me that peace. It'd make me feel good for a little while. And you know what? Yeah. I tell people, you know, why do, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting. I've been on a diet for 40 years. Well, you know, I run through Dairy Queen and get a blizzard because I want to feel good for, you know, seven minutes. And so we all want that escape. We all want that peace. We all want that. And some have greater consequences. And boom, when it happens to you, then how do you get out of it? Absolutely. You You know, it's such a good piece of wisdom, too. It's true. And, you know, we treat things differently. And, you know, what you said, I, I, I love that you do. It's the vulnerability. People have been asking, why is the show growing so much? You know, we plateaued, you know, for the first almost year, we kind of stayed the same. You know, we had X number of listeners and it kind of stayed the same. In the last four or five months, we have just skyrocketed. And honestly, Dennis, it's because of people like you. It's because somebody said, you know what? All families have something. They've all got secrets in their past. We've all got things we're ashamed of. We've all got things we self-medicate for. We've all got our own coping mechanisms. And darn it, I'm going to be the one that steps forward. We had Lisa Turkhurst on the broadcast recently. We're going to air it soon. And she went through infidelity and a husband with a substance addiction and was so vulnerable, got ahead of it, jumped out in front and said, listen, this is what we're going through. I mean... 
And I got to give you a break. You said, you know, I wish I could have been a more understanding dad, things like that. If there's no narrative for it, then it's not happening. And before you, I mean, who was out there doing what you were doing, having been a pastor for so long and then a comedian and, you know, as as big and large as you've become, it's hard to believe, like, are they really watching you? Is it really different for you? You know, now with my kids in their school, it's like that with them. And I'm trying to figure yeah. out, I mean, I've been through another, you know, I went through it, my parents went through it, now my kids are going through it. I'm still struggling with how do I let them know they're fine even when someone outside the home says they're not. Correct. In the midst of all that with Dusty and Chad, you know, that's all happening. Our, our, our parents are getting older. Then Laurie's mom, 79, comes to us at Christmas. You know, we're dealing with the boys this and that and she comes to me you know and says you know she said i just want you to know that i respect you more than almost any other man and you know it took me about 15 years to win laurie's mom over miss Kathy. oh my goodness i love her to death but so she comes to me and she says i, I need to tell you something and this is in the book and with permission from her family laurie and everybody uh yep. sisters yep. brothers she comes and she said i just want you to know uh Growing up in Ackerman, Mississippi, I was the last of 13 kids. My mom died when I was five. My dad was old. He couldn't really raise me. My brothers and sisters passed me around. I got married to a guy. I was desperate for to have someone to love me. I'm pregnant. They don't want me anymore. My brother gives me 50 bucks. I go find a country doctor in Jackson, Mississippi. I had an abortion when I was 17. Mm. And there we are standing on this little path at this lake village that we have. And... I said, Kathy, I love you more now than I've ever loved you before. And Kathy, I want you to know that your child is is waiting on you, but has been busy with Jesus. He he or she's going to have a testimony to tell you about what all's been going on in heaven because it's a place of purpose like here. And and God loves you and Jesus loves you and we love you. I think the world loves you. And Mm -hmm. 10 days later, she was in a mental hospital, you know, and just cancer and went down could never tell her kids or everybody everything and uh, I had to tell my wife I had to tell the brothers the sister and uh, mm. and you know uh, at the very end and this is in the book you know she's a she's just lingering and holding on the nurse said why are you holding on why is she holding man you know they asked us why is she holding on and they all looked at me and I went inside real quick version and one of those quiet, precious moments that, that I just keep to myself. But I basically told her, Kathy, we love you. Jesus is waiting on you. Your child is waiting on you. There's going to be a great day. We're proud of you. We look up to you. You're free to go. We love you. And we had a precious time. And then I brought the family in and we gathered around her and we started singing and she passed away. It was Oh my it was a weird thing, man. I mean, I, I'm an old Baptist. I was, you know, a little, little weird for the old farm. <laughs> but uh, you know what? She was free. And you know what? We love her, and we'll grieve her in heaven. And But through that and all a bunch of stuff, our boys, my wife just said, no more secrets. And, I mean, yeah. we're just – and my, my wife, at National Day of Prayer a couple uh, years ago, we were up there, and I was doing the thing, there's your mom and dad. And there's Laurie going up to Dr. Jim and just telling him about Chad Modis. He, you know, he's been married twice and this and that and alcohol stuff. And, and I'm going, good night. Did you tell Dr. Jim everything? She said, yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. I went, well, good night, man. 
you know. And Miss Shirley, <laughs> I just told him. I went, that night, and no, Dr. Jim just hugged her, loved her. Yeah. And yeah. and I went, and, and my wife said, honey, we're not, we, we have nothing to hide. And I'm going, woman, I'm the big mouth. And all of a sudden I realized, you know what, we don't have anything to hide. And when my boys have gone through relapses, 80% of people go through relapses. Get it Thank up, get over it. Thank you for saying that. Thank you get for saying over that. It. Get yep. over it. People, expect it. Comes back. Expect it to happen. Yeah. yeah. Cancer comes right. back. Diabetes yeah. comes back. You know, mm-hmm. hello. You know, yeah. so what? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You call your sponsor. You go to a meeting. Okay. You call on Jesus. You call on your brothers and sisters in Christ. You take what you knew from that last rehab, put it to work. Rehab starts after rehab. You know, yes, you do medically what you can do medically, but. Hey, everybody just sort of calm down. I mean, have you gone your whole life without eating dairy products? You know, uh, you know, no, you're going to get bluebell ice cream eventually again. You know, mint chocolate chip is the best. So back off, you know, gosh. And so I, I have to realize it, it's not perfection. It's progress. Now that bothers a lot of people. Well, if I say that, they go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not perfection, it's progress. It's growing to be more like Christ who is perfect. We want to be more mature and perfect like him, develop spiritual muscles. We can in our spiritual exercise gym, but we're human. But let's work at it day by day. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey Rebels, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks in your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit savethestorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Well, you're speaking from such a place of knowing. Obviously, you've gone through this. You can hear it in your voice. You can hear it in your passion. You know, talk to people out there, though, because it's, you know, they go, well, Ryan, it's one thing for you to do that. You know, that's what you do. And it's one thing for you, Dennis. You know, you've already made it and and you're using this in your platform, but it's just not safe for me to be honest and vulnerable. It's not safe. How do you know when and who and how much? You know, when you're in the checkout line at the supermarket, that's not the time to pour all your troubles out. But who is that safe person? How do we create those relationships? How did you create it with your sons to where when they have a relapse or when they fall back in, they can call you because they know instead of freaking out over what happened in one day, you're going to praise what happened over the last few years, be sad for the day, get back into a meeting, get back into a program. You know, How did you become safe for your I mean, having your mother-in-law tell you that at 79, Dennis, you had to have had a big life change to be that safe of a person. How did you become that guy? It's a journey. And first of all, what it reveals, what it revealed to me 
was my own sin. Mm. What it revealed to me was my shortcomings. What it revealed to me was my addictions. What it revealed to me was my, uh, you know, DNA that craves this or craves that or has this thought or that thought. And, and uh, you know, like I tell men, don't be getting too holy on me because uh, if we put your the worst three minutes of your thought life the last uh, 30 days up on the big screen in color at church, you would have to move to Australia. Yep. And when you got to Australia, you'd realize I better go, maybe I better go to China because it would be just scandalous. So when stuff happens to people, I know, I know I'm, I'm no better. Uh, it's like when Dusty first took me with him to a AA meeting, this was in 2012. And he said, you want to go with me, dad? I said, all right. So I got up there. We were there in Monroe, Louisiana, and I pastored first Baptist West Monroe. And uh, I left in 95, it's 17 years later, but when I'm in the meeting, drinking my coffee, there's some of my Baptist church members. I'm, hey, 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 there's about 100 people. My first thought, Ryan, was this. Lord, I don't know how this meeting is operating, but I hope that I get to introduce myself to let me let them know I'm okay. I'm with Dustin. I mean, that was my thought. And Jesus, I mean, he spoke to my heart and said, Swan, you self-righteous preacher. Uh, drink your coffee. And I said, and that didn't even faze me. I said, Lord, I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I know this is AA. I know it's anonymous, but there's Baptist in here. And Baptist will, somebody's going to go out there and go, I saw Brother Dennis up there at, at friends with Bill and Bob. And I guess Amen. he's falling off the wagon. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a man like the rest of us. And I'm going, you know, I've got a reputation. I'm, a, I'm America's Minister of Encouragement. And the Lord said, I want you to sit down, I want you to drink your coffee, eat your donut, and maybe you'll learn something. And right then and there, I learned with more clarity, we are all recovering from something. And I knew it. What a hypocrite yeah. I was to try to think that I'm better. It's like the log in your eye and the speck in the other. As long as somebody else's sin looks bigger than mine, I'm fine. If theirs is bigger, if theirs is bigger, I'm fine. So I just want everybody else to be bigger. My little sin isn't that much, but hamartia, the word for sin in the Greek, means to miss the mark. I don't care if you miss it by a half inch or a mile. You missed it. Yep. yep. So, yep, absolutely. But, Isn't AA you know, such a beautiful place? I've taken well, a, yeah. a bunch of people now to go to a place that that is anonymous, that's non-judgmental. I was at a meeting oh, maybe a month ago, and someone that had a lot of years of sobriety uh, fell off the wagon and then came back and I wondered what would happen. I wondered how people would react. And I was so taken aback. I got so choked up at just the outpouring of love that he came back anyway. Came back for another day. And then day after day, so glad you're back. So glad to see you here. One day at a time. Keep working it. It works if you work it. You know that... You know, I've taken people that walk in and, and they'll they'll turn to me and go, I know that person. I know that person. I got to go. I got to leave. They didn't see me yet. They got to go. And it's like, they're thinking the same thing about you. Oh, oh yeah. no, that person just walked in. I know them. They know me. They're going to tell. I'm going to tell. You know, and it's just, it, it's that secret that keeps it hidden. You know, it's yeah. that secret. So, Dennis, are there secrets that we should keep to ourselves? Are there things that we just shouldn't ever tell anybody? Are there secrets that are good for you? Well, you know, my boys have taught me through AA and Celebrate Recovery, you know, I don't necessarily need to do something that just makes me feel good if it hurts somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I don't, I, I'm, I don't do something just for therapy to make me feel better and get better if it hurts someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I have to be careful if I, you know, share this or share that, will that hurt someone else? Will I feel better at their expense? Mm-hmm. You know, there, you have to have some wisdom there. That's where you can go. I go to the Lord. I go to a significant other, a buddy, a friend, a confidant one that's closer than a brother and confess your sin one to another so that you may be healed. You know, mm-hmm. as we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. I can go to someone with my sins and healing can take place. It can be with one or two or three that a safe place. And, you know, I talk about, you know, you can put a beach ball underneath the water for a long time, but eventually it's going to pop come up and pop you in the face why not let the air out of let the air out of it with a friend a loved one and you know what that can happen repeatedly my boys have had more than one relapse okay some hadn't been that long ago and you know what you can sometimes see it coming because are you going to a meeting no i'm doing i'm doing okay i don't really you're not going to meetings well no i'm good I'm, i'm good well that's a lie but you know what I had to just swallow hard and say, I got to let him, let him figure it out again. A relapse is coming. And then when it comes, he finally opens up. We hug. I don't want to die. I want to live. Okay. Well, and then brother come, the other brother comes and hugs on him. I'll tell you what, to see two alcoholic brothers come and hug each other, lift each other up. When one has lifted one up before, one lifts up another time. You know, in Galatians, when you talk about burdens, you know, you help someone that has a burden. The first time it's mentioned about burden, it's like a boulder. The next few verses down, burden is more like a backpack. Everybody's got to carry their own backpack, but you help them with the boulder. So when they have the relapse, okay, let's, we're going to do this. You help them with the boulder, but then you help them get that backpack on. You got to carry your backpack. Everybody's got to carry their own backpack. And, you know, that's the way you get stronger and, and you can go further. So we all know that it happens. And sometimes the second rehab, the silver lining is I cannot, I cannot drink anymore. I, I cannot do that. I cannot eat that. I cannot do that. I cannot have that lustful, continuous thought. I cannot, yep. I can't go there. I am. I know that I know that I know. And mm-hmm. finally, after the second the relapse, you start to go, I can go back and get the chip that says I want to be, I want to be sober again. When that gum, I, I had four-year chip. You know, I had an eight-year chip. You know how hard that is to go back and tell someone that I've screwed up? You know how hard it is to tell someone I, I, I messed up again and, and to do it maybe in a public way, in a small group, but still public? You know, there's my coins. I have to start over. Hello? But you know what, Hold my oldest son, you know, he, he just recently got a chain. He's got all his coins. I mean, one year, two years, three years, five years, start again, start again, you know, one month, month, two. <laughs> He's, yeah. But, the, but you know what, Has because of that, we all, Laurie, Chad, Dusty, me, Brit, Dusty's wife, Brittany, I mean, we're real open, and we, re, and we know, and we know enough to be able to look at you and wait for you to tell us 
because yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know what? How how special is that? You know, there's people that live 80 years, you know, old, have friendships that are 60 plus years that don't have mm-hmm. that closeness and openness with anybody. That's right. That's yeah, true. we've got That's our, true. we've got our secrets and we've got our blunders, but we know each other. We know we've cried, we've hurt. We, you know, I have to get up and speak while I know that when Dusty was in jail, I had to get up and speak and be funny. When he's down at San Clemente, I'm at Dana Point doing a big to do deal. He's down at San Clemente in rehab. I know what it's like to have to leave and get on the road, knowing that my son just relapsed and had to take him to the hospital to get him, you know, hydrated again. I have to go get on the road, get up, speak, encourage. Uh, and, and I have the book that, you know, he's helped me book. He's, you know, Chad, he put, you know, he did the epilogue, uh, you know, just to read a couple of his words, I think pretty cool. He said, you know, as the oldest son of a preacher attending Christian schools and colleges, if I fell short in any way of the legalistic rules, I believed I was to adhere to then secrets were a necessity. You see, some people feel like secrets are a necessity, and sometimes we carry that all the way up into adulthood. We carry it all with us to, to our dying day. World War II soldiers, this one, that one, everybody, better not to be known. But oh, when you are known, oh, when you are free. We have this on the back cover of the book. It says, do you have any secrets? It's time to look at secrets and their power to either hinder or heal. We have secrets because we like to live behind a mask, a facade, a veneer. It is a great mercy that God does not leave us in our secrets. He will not let us hide. His grace finds us. His mercy forgives us. His love covers us. And that's pretty awesome. And he loves my boys, and I love my boys. I'm going to love my boys at at the next relapse or the next relapse. They're going to love me. Uh, when I mess up, I love my wife. We're not perfect. We fail daily in different ways, mm-hmm. but all the while we're, we're, we're family. We are family and we know each other. And I want to others to be liberated. I want others to be free. I want families to, you know, when I share a little bit, speak or entertain, and I bring up the book, talk, people get the book, man, I got I, people come to me. Hey, my son's in prison. Hey, my my, my son just left his wife, this, that. I mean, I'm going, and uh, you know, my son's been married four times. I said, so? Okay. Yep. Well, you just, you love him, don't you? Well, just love him. You can't fix it. You know, I came up with this. I probably begged, I probably stole it from someone, but my brain can't remember who I stole it from, but maybe some of it was mine. But Adam and Eve had a perfect father. They had a perfect world. They had a mind of their own. Right. And our kids have a mind of their own, and we have a mind of their own. And then Adam and Eve, they had two boys, and one of the boys killed his brother. Now, can you imagine how God felt? Hey, Lord, you're not doing too hot, are you? You're pretty powerful, but look, I'm going to tell you something. He knows how we feel. You cannot, you cannot grieve an it. You can't grieve a power. You grieve a person, our father. And he feels, he knows how you feel. He knows how I feel. When I looked at Dusty's, my little grandson, he's four and a half months. I know one day, I know, I know little AJ's going to 
do this or do that or do this or experiment with this or that. But you know what? I know I'll love him then. I already know that when he does, he he does he won't he won't understand this, but I'm ready to put my arms around him and love on him and hug him and grow with him and encourage him and teach him, show him God's spiritual uh, gem of how he can work out and be successful and be stronger in Christ and not be you know dominated by sin, but can have victory over it and. Uh, how much more does our Heavenly Father feel for us? That's right. That's Good right. God. Lord. Mm-hmm. Dennis, I appreciate it so much. It's so great to have another vulnerable person on the podcast talking about actual real issues. You should see the comments. People that watch us live, the comments that are coming through are just what the church is supposed to be. This is a message that needs to be heard. I mean, it's just compliment after compliment after compliment. So thank you for being that vulnerable is. in the book and on the program today. We appreciate you. Well, I love you guys, and, and everybody that's listening, just just remember that it's time to get beyond the past, the pain, and the secrets, mm-hmm. and to move forward, even though we all know there will be more secrets. You know, I wrote the book, but here's the deal. There's going to be more secrets today, more secrets tomorrow, and but you know what? It's a good, holy tension to be in, and in that, that tension, there can be much joy on the ones we love to keep on keeping on, picking one up, carrying them a little way. We'll pick each other up uh, greater than any sport, greater than any, you know, game out there is the family moving together and the family of God at church. That's right. So uh, I'll tell you what, if you're my, I'm 65 and, and I tell people, if you get my age and you're still legalistic and you're still, you know, hard headed and mean and tough, I, I, I pity you. I pity you. I want grace and mercy. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to help someone work out spiritually and get strong spiritually. But man, I'm going to be gracious and merciful because I'm going to tell you, I need it. As holy as I think I am, I need it. Second thought, more than my boys need it. That's right. Self-righteousness is a lonely place to live. Yeah. But we love community. We love community. When you walk into a group and you all go, and I, find, I see some old preacher buddy I hadn't seen in years, and I go, oh, he's pretty straight-laced. And he says, Swan, how you doing? I said, well, you know, how's the boy? Well, you know, I tell them, well, both have done that. And they go, hey, Swan, I, I have a son. And all of a sudden, you know what? He and I bond like never before. Before, it was just the good old boy at the convention. Hey, how you doing? You, you moving on up the ladder? I'm moving on up the ladder spiritually or whatever position. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, we go, hey, let's cut through the chaff. Hey, hey. No, I know how you feel, buddy. We hug each other. That's now right. that's that's where life is. It is. Thanks for being on the show today, Swan. Okay, yeah. bud. I appreciate it. All right, love you guys. Love you too. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks to Dennis Swanberg. My goodness, what a great guy. So honest, so open, so vulnerable, giving real help to those that struggle with addiction in their families. Also, special thanks to The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is their website, and they have been helping those being persecuted around the globe for our gospel for more than 50 years. Fantastic organization. Definitely check them out at persecution.com. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon.
Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.